CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. Here with my co-host, uh, David Tainter. Hey, Josh. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you. So you're back from vacation. You, I am. You were away for a, about a week. We missed you, and it's good to have you back. So how, how was your trip? You know, it was good. I was actually away for a little longer than expected. Uh, but it was good. It was it was good. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the first thing I, I did when, well, pretty much the first thing I did when I got back to my apartment last night flying in, flying into Newark Airport, you know, abroad, you can't find a lot of good quality iced coffee, mm. right? And that's I important mean, for waking up. Well, it's important for my whole like metabolism. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. They say, what is that thing about like, you know, 98% of the human body is is water. In my case, about oh. 10% <laughs> is iced coffee. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah. Like, it's sort of like a freak of nature sort of thing. So, and, and obviously... You know, for me, it's 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 Grady's iced coffee. So there's something I want to read now that now that I'm now that I'm back here Let's in, go in New it. York City. All right, born in Brooklyn and brewed in the Bronx, Grady's is New York's favorite cold brew. You can have it delivered to your door no matter where you live. Their cold brew kit includes everything you need to create smooth, velvety cold brew at home. All you have to do is add water. No French press, no mess, no baristas. You can save money, too. You get 36 cups of gourmet cold brew for only $30. That's less than a buck a cup. And shipping's free. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Mm, sounds good. We're drinking some Grady's right now, in yeah, fact. Yeah, we are actually both both drinking Grady's. It's great stuff. You, you seriously have to try it. So so there's a lot of news while, while you were away. There's still a lot of scrutiny over the Cambridge Analytica story, you know, just to catch our listeners up. Some 50 million Facebook users' data was basically compromised by this they company. have this kind of th- this funny way of not yeah. really quite. They don't want to call it a breach because then they have all sorts of liability. Right. But they also want to say, "Hey, that's you can't. You, <laughs> yeah. You're you're bad guys and right. everything." Yeah, so. like a young researcher was collecting. You know, you could take a quiz or like share some information, and then turns out everyone who took the quiz, their friends' information was also kind of scooped up in this thing. And this firm obviously. Uh, worked with the Trump campaign during the 2016 election to kind of help with targeting ads and things like that. So, you know, there's been scrutiny over the company. The The CEO of Cambridge Analytica was suspended recently. Mark Zuckerberg has gotten a lot of, I guess, criticism and scrutiny as well. Congressional committees wanted yeah, every, him to come by. Well, here, here's the thing, and 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 you know, I need I need you to bring me up to date because, I, like I said, I've been I've been uh, out of the country and um, trying to to cut off from the news which is which is like inherently hard for me to do because it's it's it is it is both my my professional life and kind of like my whole life in a way but one thing that in in my in my moments of weakness when I when I was checking in on the news one of the things that strikes me about the Facebook story is that you know Facebook's argument is we let you do this because you said you were an academic, and this was for academic research. 
you weren't allowed to sell it to Cambridge Analytica for running political campaigns and so on and so forth. It seems to me there's a few problems with that. First of all, if it's my data, because just so everybody understands, basically David agrees to do a quiz and he's got the little sign off that says, you're agreeing to let quiz. Yeah, share quiz some information. Yeah, yeah, share information, blah, 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 blah. But what that did was was to take everybody who is friends with David on Facebook and give give quiz.com all their <laughs> private information yeah. too. And so well, how does that possibly make sense? That yeah. makes no sense at all. And and the defense of the guy who, you know, did this indirectly for Cambridge Analytica. This is Christopher Wiley, the whistleblower who has yeah, kind of he's spoken the, out. He's the whistleblower. And then there's a guy, Kogan, who is, I believe, a Russian national who works at Cambridge University in the United Kingdom. Uh, oh, the academic you're talking about. Yes, yeah, the yeah, academic yeah. who yeah. did this. So that was that was okay under Facebook's rules. Their rules, just like you have to, you have to say you're using it for academic research. But like, why does that matter? You know, in in academic research, consent is actually a really, really big thing. Yeah, you wrote a post about this, I think, last week, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Again, one of my weak moments. You, <laughs> you can't just you can't you it, that that just makes no sense. The other point is that this um, approach that Facebook was taking seems almost to be begging to be violated because once you let's let's look at it this way. The if you have all of the private Facebook information, what we're talking about is, you know, just you know, kind of your basics, gender, birth date, all the kind of stuff you choose to share, um, everything you follow, your viewing habits, your likes, your friends, blah blah blah, a lot of stuff about you. If you have that information for fifty million people, just in purely dollar terms, that is worth a huge, huge mm-hmm. amount of money. Huge amount of money. That that's really what Facebook's, you know, to the extent that Facebook is, I don't know what their market capitalization is, but yeah. you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. It is based on they have all that information and yeah. the ability to keep, you know, yeah, uh, and keep refreshing. Yeah, and target ads to you and Exactly. Yeah. So the idea that you give that information out to people who just sort of like check a box says, "Yeah, I'm an academic. It's all good." Right. And that that information is never going to kind of slip out anywhere else yeah. either by hacking or just like what this guy did. That's that's totally nuts. So yeah. it, it it's this weird thing where this guy kind of kind of broke the rules, but the rules were Ridiculous to start yeah. with. I mean, and it's, it's clear that about Facebook. It's clear that Cambridge Analytica sort of exists as a shady kind of operation. You know, there's been stories about them. You know, a, there was a private or like an undercover Channel Four British news channel investigation where they went out to dinner with the CEO and he said, "Oh, we can tempt you know clients with with women or with bribes and things like that to try to sort of catch them in in bad acts." But it, I think even Facebook has sort of been disappointing in their response to all this, you know, like they're sort of love to talk about the the sophistication of their platform and their and their company and, and all the good that they want to do until something happens. And then it's all of a sudden like, oh, well, this is really hard. And, you know, we, right. we didn't know that this was, you know, happening and we're sorry, but we're going to like, we're going to do our best to fix it. And yeah, it's, it's, this is one of the things with, I mean, we at TPM, we deal with, I mean, obviously we are a very small player, but we deal with Facebook. Uh, we deal with Google a lot. We have a lot of 
you know, business relationships with, with, with Google, like almost every digital publication has. So we have a lot of experience, uh, not just the way that everybody else does with the platforms, but kind of working with them on a business basis. And I have long thought that Facebook is really in a different category in terms of how they do business. I, it, they just seem like maybe calling them a bad actor is is a harsh statement, but a really untrustworthy uh, corporate player compared to the other platforms. And I'm a critic of the other platforms. It's not like the, it's not like they're great. Why do you think that is? Is that is it just a younger company than someone like Google? And there's in you know a younger CEO, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't, I really don't know the answer to that because fundamentally, I mean, in some ways, it's really Google and Facebook are the two data behemoths. Yeah. Even though a lot of other players are are in the in the data space, and you, you know, I have written a number of pieces that are highly critical of. Google, largely from you know uh, monopolistic uh, practices and, and 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 so forth. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Uh, it it does seem to be something to do with the culture of the company. I I don't I don't I- I exactly know. But I would say this. It seems to me that the basic issue with Facebook is that if let, let's let's think of it about it this way, if you had a company that what it did was handle like radioactive material, right? You, it, w- it would go without saying that there were all sorts of costs that society imposes on them in, ter- in terms of regulation to like, you got to be sure that, ra- <laughs> yeah. that radioactive stuff yeah. doesn't get into the water yeah. or like you don't like feed it to someone or something like this. <laughs> yeah. And so it, th- that is a classic example kind of in, in economics and, and regulatory terms of are the are the profits privatized and the risks socialized? Yeah. So basically, Facebook gets all the money, and the risks of this kind of thing happening, or oh, I sorry, I lost all your data. Is who does Facebook have money responsibility, or is that just kind of like oh, life's hard? Yeah. And it's clear that um, all, all the platforms kind of benefit from this, but Facebook does particularly the the costs of what they do which is pulling together these massive amounts of information are all socialized to us and they just don't have it's just not their problem mm-hmm. um and yeah. that, that's kind of key so okay so so we have cambridge analytica kind of they got facebook in trouble and yeah. they're in trouble because yeah. they're, they're saying they're doing these dirty tricks and all right. this kind of stuff so right. so what else has come out about about them about about cambridge so yesterday the washington post reported that cambridge analytica has sent foreign nationals mostly like european you know british you know folks um to come work on us elections and obviously i think you're allowed to do that at a very low level. You yeah, can't have you a sort of like decision. You can't have a something. you can't have a sort of decision making role if you're not an American citizen on right. an election. So, really, it seems like, and I think this was from Christopher Wiley, the whistleblower I mentioned, who uh, revealed this information. But it just seems like there's lots of drips coming out, and I think you know there's going to be there's going to be more by the by the time we're sort of done with this story. I think. Yeah, and you it, you know the the one other part of this is that Robert Mercer, who was right. a critical, uh, really the funder of Breitbart, yep. uh, a major funder of the Trump campaign, was a, was ba- basically 
this was his company. Yeah. And Bannon was, I guess... Steve the, Bannon was a vice president, I want to say, or... Also, like, chairman of the board. He yeah. Was, he was a major player with yeah. this. There was actually a, a post story, I think it was last week, too, that Bannon, kind of in the early days of Cambridge Analytica, was kind of the one in charge of this data mining operation. This sort of was, like, he had to sign off on things. He had to kind of, like, approve the sort of methods and things. So, you know, it goes... It goes up to people that are pretty much household names in the, right, in the Trump right, world. Right. Well, one thing, you know, and I don't think we know the answer to this yet, is that it does seem like Cambridge Analytica was, in terms of the use of fake news, in terms of, you know, uh, by a few stages of remove, getting people to hack emails and blackmail and stuff yeah. like this, that they were doing a lot of stuff lot of kinds of stuff that we now know this Russian intelligence operation was doing also. Uh, I'm not sure where we are yet in terms of were they, you know, was... Were they overlap or converge or... Were they converging? Were they they connected? Uh, But they were kind of doing very similar stuff at the, mm-hmm. at the at the same time. Yeah. And I th- that is something obviously we're we're going to have to uh, watch where that goes. One one other thing that really kind of caught my eye as this is developed in a couple stories and and the Guardian really the yeah. the, the UK paper which is obviously also uh, you know exists in in a US form but but UK based Guardian has really been the lead yeah, lead been paper on this. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that struck me is that the Cambridge field tested a lot of their ideas and tricks abroad, uh, and the and it seems like the key reason is that in in a lot of countries in the third world, you know, third world developing countries, yeah. whatever, uh, but a lot of countries in Southeast Asia, in Africa, some parts of Latin America have very few privacy protections and also very weak states. Yeah. So you can kind of do whatever experiment, you want. Yeah, yeah experiment near, you know, kind of it, it just it's it's not like it's not like in the US or Europe where there are regulatory authorities or or legal, you know, prosecutorial prosecutorial authorities who can get you in trouble. Yeah. And that we need to keep an eye on that yeah. because that is a pattern that has a long and very sordid history in just the history of of Europe, the United States, and the rest of the world, and colonialism. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too college <laughs> seminar here, sure, but you know, yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. going on there. Okay, so we, so that happened. What else when I was what when, when I was away? Well, President Trump basically blew up his legal team last week. Yeah. Uh, John Dowd, who was the outside lawyer, basically of record for Trump. He's the one who I think it was about a week ago said, "I pray that Robert Mueller ends." the Russia investigation. And it was kind of like a weird way to put it. But um, he claimed originally that he was speaking for the president. He said then afterwards, no, I was just speaking for myself. And then, yes, I was speaking for the president. So it seems like, I mean, Trump and him are obviously probably on the same page about that. Um, so basically now he has no lawyer of record outside of the White House. There's Ty Cobb who manages the Mueller investigation. But that's for in the, the White, White House. In the like White the House. government yes, pays exactly. Ty Cobb. So that's it. So, and And then I guess... A, a Donald Trump has this Jay Sekulow guy right. who's a lawyer, but not yeah. even really a, a, a yeah, not a he's, criminal litigator. He's, he's a TV the one, lawyer. Yeah, basically. he's the one you would see on CNN sparring with Chris Cuomo or whoever is the right. host on, <laughs> right. on at the time. But yeah, not not someone, not a sort of white shoe top kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he's he's a con, he's a conservative activist, and right. and you know, and and 
you know, there are there are lawyers who are conservative activists and liberal activists and and uh, but that is a he's he's an activist who he he runs an organization that is they pattern themselves off the ACLU. They even have a I think it's the ACL. I can't remember what it's a similar acronym to the the ACLU. And basically, their thing is cases that expand what they call religious liberty. So it's mm. usually like you know. Do you have to make a cake for a gay couple? <laughs> Stuff like this. Yeah. Um, but the the relevant point in in for our purposes here is that he is not someone who is an experienced criminal litigator. It's just not what he yeah, does. Yeah, not he's the t- not the one you want to leave the team. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, he's for Trump, and they even say this. Basically, a TV lawyer. So at the moment, okay. So he. Uh, Dowd resigns, who knows whether right. it's resigned or fired, right. but like, you know, kind of with no notice, yeah. he's out. Yeah. There had been a uh, discussion that they were going to bring in Joe to Genova yeah. and, and his, his wife, his wife, who's his legal partner, Victoria yeah. Tensing, who if you, you know, if you're my age and, and you go back to the 90s, these are like, you know, kind of big time TV lawyers. Yeah. Um, from 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 way back then. But it's what is it? It seems like maybe there were some conflicts with. I think his wife had represented other clients who have like testified. Mark Carolla, yeah, who's, who's like a hostile right to Trump at this. I mean, yeah. maybe not politically hostile, but cooperating yeah. with Mueller. Yeah, and I think stuff. like the Times reported that he was that they were going to be joining the team, sort of future tense. And right. And before they even got a chance to come in the door, it was it was not to be. Right, and there was. I noticed there was there was a there was a little blur. There was an article about this in in Politico uh, today, last night, whatever, and about DeGeneva and Tensing. It said, well, there was um, there was the conflicts, but it was also that they're too old and um, they are seventy three and seventy six. But the problem right. is, John Dowd is seventy seven, and uh, um, Ted Olson who is kind of like the ultimate elite GOP yeah, lawyer right. who they tried to get and turned them down. He's also 77. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't Yeah, it doesn't really make yeah, sense. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. And then the other thing that when they came in to sort of like interview with Trump, he said they looked too disheveled. <laughs> right? They weren't they didn't look kind of you know, like we have sharp heard enough. That, yeah, we have heard that personal appearances are pretty important. Yeah, Trump. yeah, yeah. So I, my sense is is that he kind of and and they're both all over Fox News. Yeah. And DeGeneva, you know, DeGeneva is one of these guys who kind of like used to be a legit character, but right. but now is sort of like... Well, he's most famous recently for kind of claiming that there is a deep state conspiracy in the FBI against Trump, right? Yeah. And this guy is a former U.S. attorney, mm-hmm. you know, way, way back. Yeah. Um, he actually ran an independent counsel investigation uh, way, 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 way back and, you know, kind of... In, in in the dark ages. But yeah, he's pretty far out there now. And that was actually one of the things that's funny about the political thing. It says like, uh, you know, Trump's people are like, this guy's a little too conspiratorial. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, come on. Like that's like that's right. a disqualification. Right. So it's it's what it seems like to me is that Trump, based on seeing him on Fox News, just kind of, I don't know, went on Twitter or told people like, yeah, we're hiring him. Right. But before like right. even like figuring out what's going on. Yeah. So at the moment, the president actually has no lawyer of record Seems for like, like yeah. his impeachment, basically, right. yeah. which is which so is who's wild. Gonna, who's going to show up next? Like the general counsel of Fox News is that going to be like his his next choice? I mean, it seems like it's it's hard for him to find someone to take this job. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 funny because Dowd Dowd has this 
funny reputation. He is a DC, you know, white collar defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. He his claim to fame is he was the one who did the report, I believe, on behalf of Major League Baseball into Pete Rose. Gotcha. Which led to Pete Rose, as we know, being, I believe Pete Rose is still susp- you know, suspended. Mm-hmm. He's not in Cooperstown, blah, 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 blah. But he he definitely has a reputation in D.C. as being a bit of a has-been. Um, so Trump was kind of already forced to kind of go with maybe not the dregs, but whatever layer is just above dregs, you know, for, right. for, for, for DC lawyers. I think there have been like some reports or rumors. I'm not sure totally how firm these were that Mark Kazowitz was maybe going to get back in the mix. And he was the one who was kind of forced to step, step aside. There was a ProPublica report that he had threatened a reporter. I think he kind of had some late night vulgar. Like, well, I think he didn't, he didn't he have a, uh, I don't know if it's substantiated, but there was a lot of chatter that he has alcohol issues, and yeah. and I think it was also at a time when um, uh, there was a sense of kind of like, you know, your lawyer who handles Stormy Daniels type things is not the one yeah. you need right. dealing with a case like this. So yeah. he was sort of moved out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been he's been a lawyer for Trump for yeah. like forever. Yeah, so, lo- loyal to the president. Yeah. yeah so maybe I mean, it, it's it's funny. We got an email. Uh, yesterday, in a way, this is kind of obvious, but I, I hadn't quite thought of it in these terms. And what this emailer, who is a you know big firm lawyer, um, I can't remember what city he's from, but you know, kind of from that world, made the point that you know it didn't used to be the case, but nowadays most big national law firms where these kind of lawyers come from, uh, there's not an equal number of female partners as male partners, but there's at least a, f- a few uh, high-powered female partners at most of these firms. And when you when you go down to the sort of the next generation, the generation of associates and so forth, it's often like 50-50. And what this guy was saying was setting aside, you know, Trump being Trump and not listening to your legal advice and stuff like that, that high you know that agreeing to represent trump would just make you toxic from a recruitment yeah. point of view like for forever yeah like basically. i don't want to work here if yeah, that's yeah 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 and and it's 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 always a funny thing because for certainly for a white collar dc defense lawyer defending the president in a major investigation is like going to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, it's opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, it is like it. It, it is the thing, and um, you know, with with <laughs> lawyers, you know, lawyers defend people who killed people, right? Right. And we expect them to. Yeah. We don't. You know, generally speaking, we. This isn't always the case, but generally speaking, we as a society understand that you defend people who may be terrible people. Yeah. That's not, you know, you are not, um, you're not being, you know, you're not saying you're their friend or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it is really astounding <laughs> that the president cannot get <laughs> yeah. anybody to defend him, anyone. And it, it just seems like it's a, a, a mix of, of all these things. Now, one thing, yeah. I, I, we did mention Ted Olson. Yeah. Uh, he, again, Big time lawyer. They tried to get him again. He said no. And I think David Korn had an interview with him 
where Olson kind of said, yeah, no one has come to me saying, hey, can you hook me up with Trump? Because I want to work. <laughs> so like no one. Yeah, there's no one waiting in the wings. Yeah, no one waiting yeah. for me. Okay, so. So you mentioned Stormy Daniels and, yeah. and the sort of lawyer who might deal with a, a case like that. So we had the big 60 Minutes interview on Sunday. Right. Much anticipated. Yep. You had done some reporting, obviously, um, you know, about what might what might be said in the interview. We had Michael Avenatti on the show yep. recently. Yep. Um, he was pretty tight-lipped about what to yes. expect. But, um, you know, I thought... It was an interesting interview. I I think, to me, what jumped out from it was she detailed kind of the threats that had been hinted at in other interviews. She said that in 2011, a man came up to her in a parking lot. She was with her like infant daughter saying, you know, leave Trump alone, drop this story, looked at, the, at her kid, said something like, that's a beautiful little girl. It'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. So that was like really the, the first kind of specific anecdote we've gotten about you know, the threats that, that Michael Avenatti has said that Stormy Daniels has received. And and this was apparently right after, like she... she was like after the In Touch interview, I yeah, think. Yeah, and then Cohen came in and threatened In Touch. So it was all yeah. tightly yeah. within a few weeks, right. kind of right around right yeah. around that. Yeah, what was your what was your reaction otherwise? Like what, what sort of jumped out to you from it? I think that's basically right. I mean, I think that a few things. I mean, I, at one level... One thing, and this doesn't have to do specifically with the Trump case, and I, but I think this was a salutary thing, that you had this, you know, almost any time up until quite recently, there would have been a portion of that interview where in so many words, the interviewer would have said something like, isn't it sleazy that you're a porn actress? Mm. You know, kind of like, should we really believe you because sure. you're a porn actress? Right. And that was just not there. It was yeah. just treated it as just kind of irrelevant. Yeah, right? a mundane fact. Yeah, yeah. Case, so that, yeah. I found that interesting. It's yeah. not, not immediately relevant to the things we're talking about, but I thought it was interesting and, and salutary. Um, one thing that that came out that, w- that jumped out to me is that as she describes their interaction, she really, from the beginning, sort of asserted control yeah. over... There was a the story. Yeah, there was a story about the magazine issue. He yeah. had he had like he was showing her a magazine with his face on the cover or something. Forbes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly. Um, she snatched it out of his hands and kind of gave him a, a spanking with it. Right, guess. right, and that and 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 she said, in in fairness to everybody yeah. involved, that that was kind of a yeah, joking exactly. a joking right. thing, but that uh, and and I think that as she described it, that that kind of you know he he kind of came off he came down from his normal kind of Trump right. I'm the king of the world kind of <laughs> crap after she sort yeah. of like asserted you know, kind herself. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And that as she describes it in the second encounter, I mean, you have this bizarre thing where he, <laughs> he invites her over to the bungalow somewhere in Hollywood, yeah. right? What is that? It's not, it's not a, whatever. It's some f- kind of fancy hotel yeah. that, that rich people stay at in, in, uh, out in LA. He invites her over to have sex basically. And then he like, burns through like three or four hours watching the shark documentary, yeah. <laughs> which I just find like at least humanizing at yeah, some level. Right. I'm not sure I find he's it. He's afraid of sharks, I think, right? Hasn't there been reporting that well, he's... I think based on her, yeah, that he's like, oh, sharks. Yeah, right. like, You know, I <laughs> hate sharks. sharks. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but in that thing where he basically lured her into that by saying, hey, you know, might be some developments in you coming on The Apprentice. Yeah. So she comes over. 
they watched the shark attack documentary. Yeah. And I guess when the shark attack documentary is over, he kind of leans in and does the does the you know touching and signals like time sure. to have sex. And she says, "Oh, so what's the What's, What's the, the story with The Apprentice? And he said something like, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of working its way through and, and nothing nothing tangible to report quite yet. Yeah. And then she goes, okay, bye. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I, I thought she came off as, she came off as the person she seems to be now, right. which is a very assertive, uh, don't get pushed around. Yeah. Uh, maintain the initiative kind of person. Yep. I, I agree with you. I think the big the big news out of that was the threat. And, yeah. and what, stuck, what, what uh, stood out to me is, and I'm sure she and Avenatti were, were clear about this going in, that she's very clear she would recognize that guy yeah. today. Yeah. She doesn't know who it was, yeah. she, whatever. But that that was, I mean, I think she even maybe repeated it a couple of times, yeah. which definitely seemed like sort of like a warning shot or like yeah. a, yeah. a yeah, foreshadowing yeah. Of, 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 of something that That's happened in the future. Yeah. One thing I did notice, there was a follow-up interview with... Um, with uh, Anderson Cooper, who we generally know from CB, uh, CNN, yeah. but also has a gig with 60 Minutes and did the interview, that he said that they left a lot of the what he called the sort of the tawdry details uh, out of the out of what uh, you know yeah. what uh, yeah. made it into the interview because there was kind of like a three week delay between the taping of the interview and the and the actual broadcast of it, and I think was it Michael Avenetti tweeted a photo of a DVD. Yeah. Saying something like a picture, yeah, pictures worth a thousand words, so this is <laughs> right, worth what, yeah, you right, know, whatever. Right. Um, I, I think that, uh, uh, yeah. So he and and then, but then he, I think before the thing showed, he then tweeted something like, you know, just to be clear, we were not going to reveal any of the physical. And when I say physical, I mean like you know, I guess digital evidence, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and again, we don't know. There is digital evidence, but they are certainly hinting that right. that, that there is. Um, but uh, so Anderson Cooper was talking about they left out some of those. Yeah, and yeah. and and certainly I had I had uh, sourcing on, on, on that that there was if you want to call them tawdry or not, there yeah. were a lot of details. Right, and so they clearly didn't think that was yeah. uh, legit or relevant, which they may be right. Yeah, but that does. I, I don't know whether whether Daniel's team is going to think like, all right, fine, we'll go somewhere else and and yeah. you know share the tawdry details. Talk uh, at talking points memo if you yeah have any exactly information. exactly you know we're all about the the uh, the tawdry details. <laughs> so yeah, I you know it it. So what was you were just before we went on the air, David? You were telling me about there's this email uh, email that NBC so, reported yeah, NBC about. NBC News obtained an email that uh, Michael Cohen, who is the he's Trump's longtime personal attorney. He represented Trump in this non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels, had sent to Keith Davidson, who was Stormy Daniels' previous lawyer, basically. Right. At the time of the NDA, he represented Stormy Daniels in this case. And it was a really brief email. It was from late February, I want to say like the 22nd. So, you know, within the last and like, February month. February of this year. Of this so month. Like so about a month, month, or about so, a month right. ago, yeah. Right. 
Um, saying that he was under the impression or he was, he had understood that Stormy Daniels was trying to find new representation, new, a new lawyer. And Which, that's, in fact, she yeah, did. Yeah, and that's Michael Avenatti. You, you know, you've seen him on TV. You've heard him on this podcast. On the Josh Marshall podcast. Um, and it was to Keith Davidson basically outlining this side agreement, which I guess is sort of in legalese. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but basically an agreement that, you know, beyond the contract itself, kind of between the, the, the lawyers in the case, saying that, you know, we are the only sort of two lawyers in this case, basically. So, you know, to me, it kind of read as sort of trying to prevent Stormy Daniels from seeking new representation, someone who might be a more competent or you know, more kind of, you know, in her interest lawyer in this case. <laughs> Which is supposed to be what a lawyer is. Yeah, that's, 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 there's not supposed to be a that's range That's the understanding, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, it's funny because one of the things and one of the things that I think we've seen about, about Michael Cohen and, and that you see both in hyper-aggressive and bad attorneys is writing contracts or trying to bind people to things that you can't bind them to. And I don't know... But I find it, I would find it highly surprising that it is possible to sign any sort of contract in which you, as a, as a party to that contract, agree never to change your legal representation. Right. I, again, maybe, but that seems, that seems quite unlikely to yeah. me. But, the point, but what I do know is that there are... There are many things that you cannot agree to in a contract. You can't agree to become someone's slave. Yeah. Or you can't uh, – well, you, you can agree to kill someone. But the whole point of a contract is at the end of the day, a court has to enforce it. Yeah. And, a, and, a, and a court will not enforce something that is obviously against the law. Yeah. Can't have, there's, a whole, there's a whole part of um, – uh, contract law about things that are against public policy, uh-huh. which basically means things that should not happen right. a- at all. But I, what I do think it brings out in this case, and I think this is this is something that we are going to hear a lot more about in the Stormy Daniels case, and one of the aspects of the Stormy Daniels case that I think will get it beyond you know the salaciousness and and sort of titillating nature of of, of the story is the kind of lawyering that Trump goes in for. Yeah. It it seems to me now we just uh David just mentioned that uh this Keith Davidson guy was Stormy Stormy Daniels attorney when that first agreement was 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 put together. He was also the attorney for Karen McDougal, who right. is this other woman, former Playboy model who had a a according to her a lengthy affair yeah. with Trump. Uh, sold her story to the National Enquirer. Yeah. They never ran it. Very similar, you know, slightly different technicalities, yeah. but very similar story. He was also her lawyer. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence here that Keith Davidson had a was looking out for Michael Cohen yeah. and Donald Trump in a way that they had should sort not of a, be the case. Almost a professional relationship, not working together, right? But they knew each other and they had yeah, sort of crossed cl- paths. Yeah, and- it's clear that they knew each other. And obviously, you can have lawyers who work on either side of a case and have have a you know maybe friends and have yeah. a professional relationship. But when in that case, you are supposed to represent your client right. and not your adversary's client, <laughs> and it, that seems iffy in, yeah. in, in this case. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, this is the kind of, this is the kind of stuff 
that I think we will see these patterns, these patterns of blackmail and bullying and all sorts of very kind of sleazy behavior are not just things that were used to cover up uh, Donald Trump's alleged affairs, right. but go into his business dealings yeah, that makes sense. And, and quite possibly spread into the business dealings in Russia and sure. all those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, one, you know, one more point on the Stormy Daniels front. It seems we don't know whether these like compromise tapes that the Russians have, you know, allegedly have. Yeah. And this is like a capital A allegedly. Yeah. You know, this is kind of we, we, we by no means know this happens. This this exists. But I will say this is that what we have learned about Trump's behavior not a big surprise that he's a philanderer kind sure. of i mean it's almost like his brand or it was his brand <laughs> right. before he became like yeah. head of the moral majority yeah, yeah. or whatever right. he is now but this is not someone who's like really kind of plays it close to the vest sure and like really you know uh discreet and careful and never going to let anybody get anything on him i mean he's clearly you know impulsive and reckless yeah. and totally carefree so the idea that <laughs> yeah. If he goes to Russia for a week or so and is, you know, hitting all the parties that no one can kind of, you know, goad him into something is is seems plainly ridiculous. Yep. So that's yeah. that's okay. So you brought me up to date on yeah. the, so what on do the you, stormy front. Yeah, what does this all add up to? I mean, we've seen in recent weeks Trump being much more aggressive on Twitter. He's starting to mention Robert Mueller by name. He's going after him. He's just sort of seems to be lashing out in a way. I mean, you know, we've seen him get rid of his lawyer last week. The Stormy Daniels story keeps kind of building and building. Well, and he also got rid of his national security advisor. Exactly. A little before that, he got rid of his his secretary of state. Yep. Uh, he got rid of his, or I guess his his top economic advisor got rid of himself. But it's all kind of part of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Hope part- Hicks, one of his closest aides recently left. I mean, there's right. been a lot of turnover, a lot of changes in, in the West Wing. Right. And now you have John Bolton coming in. John Bolton is actually someone, you know, back, back in 2005... Uh, then President Bush tried to make him UN ambassador, and there were a number of people who were involved in trying to kind of raise the flags about this that this was really a bad thing. John Bolton is, you know, there are forum, there are national security experts, practitioners, whatever. There are conservative ones, there are hawkish ones. None of those capture who John Bolton is. I think John Bolton is one of those relatively few people who, for whom warmonger is not just like an epithet or an attack. It's like a, it's a good description of who he is. Mm -hmm. And he's also someone who, um, is hyper-partisan and hyper-political in a domestic context as well. Now, lots of people are hyper-partisan, hyper-political. That's not, not the end of the world, but you don't want, you don't want that mixed up too closely with with the, the, the national security stuff. Yeah. So, okay, so you have Bolton coming in. I'll tell you, this is a disaster. I mean, a real disaster. We even had Jimmy Carter yesterday, former president, uh, who doesn't really weigh into kind of issues of the day, especially not things going on with the Trump administration, saying he thought this was Trump's biggest mistake in office so far, hiring John Bolton. Kind of coming yeah, out. There's a lot of competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but sort of coming out of the 
you know, out of the shadows in a way or just, yeah. you know, weighing in in a public way. I thought that was kind of a, a remarkable moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, here, here's what here's what I think of, of this whole thing. We have, there's a lot of stories now that, that are, go something like this, that, that, you know, Trump's been president for a year. There was a, there was a steep learning curve. Uh, he had a lot of people in place that had either been foisted on him or kind of, you know, he didn't, he didn't really know what he was doing. So he brought in a lot of people like Rex Tillerson or, uh, you know, HR McMaster, these kind of people. But now he kind of gets it right. He's ready to be president. He's ready to be Trump unbound. Yeah. Which sort of like. Man, if, yeah, if, what, if, if, what, what have we had so yeah, far? If, yeah. I don't, if, if he wasn't already unbound, I'm yeah. scared, scared to think what that means. Um, but I think this, first of all, I do not buy this idea that Trump is happy and and excited and finally feels like he's got a, a swing of this thing. That is That is just not, that does not match up with any of the reality that we see. What I think is going on is this. Robert Mueller is clearly getting closer and closer to Trump's family and to Trump. Um, and in some ways, to Trump, those are probably One of the same. Yeah, kind yeah. of indistinguishable. And you see that not just on the Russia front, you now see it in this, this it may not be an entirely separate front, but at least a, dis, a distinct front in Jared Kushner and Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and all sorts of stuff there. So that is all building. And we may find out tomorrow, you know, we may wake up tomorrow and there's a tweet that says, I fired Robert Mueller, right? Yeah. I don't expect that to happen. The, Trump and the people around Trump seem to realize or have seemed to realize up until now, that's just a step too far. Yeah. And I think he would actually have to, it's a little complicated because you get into absolute presidential powers versus, you know, the, the the rules as they exist, but he would probably have to fire Rod Rosen. There's a lot of firing have to go yeah. on to, yeah. to, to, to do that. But in general, they seem to realize that is just, that has been a step too far until now. Yeah. But, and, and in the reporting on this, you have a lot of people who say things like, well, president, he doesn't like his business being looked into and he, he thinks it's unfair and he, he, he thinks that, you know, he's not getting enough, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think all that is, 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 is BS. Like, the real story is what is the obvious story is that the president is guilty and people around him are guilty. Now, when I say guilty, I don't necessarily mean a specific statute crime. I mean, he did bad stuff and he is afraid the bad stuff he did and his associates did will be revealed. And and yet he is in this, for him, unique case where he cannot lash out at the person who is threatening him. So I think what he is doing is he is looking for places where he can assert total control. So as the Mueller thing picks up, you have, and he, he feels increasingly threatened, he feels kind of overmanned by, by Mueller and his investigators, he basically acts out by every, in, with every other group who he feels is binding him in. Yeah. So I really think that these things are 
completely related. It's almost like osmotic, right? The more the more pressure comes on the Mueller front, it has to go somewhere else because he can't he can't take yeah, it out. Yeah, a transfer on, on of energy in a way. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's, it's uh, Newton's. <laughs> 74th rule of conservation, <laughs> right. yeah. the conservation of Trump rage, exactly. basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, I'll tell you, you know, just in the last uh, couple days that when I was, when I was, um, when I was abroad, I saw a number of non-scare quoted and not ironic references to Trump's new war cabinet. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell's that mean? <laughs> like, 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 I mean, John Bolton is kind of, but like yeah. a war cabinet, like we don't have a war, right? And like, and there, and 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 the North Korea situation is 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 a very serious one, but like, what's going on there? And and so I I really this is something that is um, this is very worrisome because the sense of menace and threat that Donald Trump clearly feels about the Mueller investigation is driving him in a direction in some ways towards his you know the bellicose instincts that I think are are most primal to him yeah but that's what's happening here yeah. and I think the the scary thing is that the Mueller probe's not going away it's going to continue it's going to continue to get closer and that is going to continue to drive some really dangerous and really impulsive and really aggressive moves by this president. So it's it's uh, 2018 may be a a a scary year. No question about it. All right. So so that is so now. Okay. So now I I am completely up to date with everything that I missed. Uh, when I was oh, was it, is there any is there anything else? I mean, I feel like I think we covered it. All right, pretty yeah. much covered it. All right, so one thing I, 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 you know, the major thing, you know, I, 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 I love being back in the United States, um, country that I love, country that I was born in. But I'll tell you again, <laughs> the big thing was like, you know, I, I, I could get Grady's cold brew again. So just want to remind you that this episode of the Josh Marshall podcast was brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew. Ready to take a swirl? Get 20% off of your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. All right. See you next week, Josh. See you next week.